Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. Proud to be part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 171. Uh, and today we'll bring you our reaction to that Newcastle game. Uh, another embarrassing defeat and the final straw for Ralph. That was one win in nine. Uh, and Monday morning, it was all over for him. After four years, we have parted company. But we march on to yet another busy week, the return of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday, where we face Sheffield Wednesday, uh, and then the last before the World Cup break, the daunting trip to Anfield. We also have the results for our player and goal of the month for October. 
Uh, unfortunately, no Moscow mush today as he's traveling home. Uh, so you'll have the pleasure of me and Tim Bazance. Tim, how are you doing today? <laughs> just a crazy, crazy Monday morning here sitting around uh, thinking about like just what was the last time? Like, I can't even remember when we changed managers. It was Mark Hughes. Just... Yeah, Mark yes. Hughes to, to Ralph. It was. um, Yeah, we just started doing the, the podcast then, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and I didn't like it. It just doesn't feel to me it, it feels like it's just always been Ralph. Like it's just always been that way, at least. And that's probably in the history of this podcast for us. But uh, nonetheless, uh, change of the guard today. Yeah. Uh, change of the guard. And I I got to say it was it's probably due at this point. And we can talk about that further. I, I agree. It had to come while we still had had time. But before we get into that, uh, the Newcastle game, then just uh, just an all round terrible experience. I did not enjoy any of that. Uh, sh- shocking with the ball. And it seems worse from my point of view, because I, I just don't feel Newcastle played terribly well themselves. Um, and perhaps they didn't need to. It's just the four shots on target. And, you know, they had less possession than us. And it's just, yeah. Another gut punch. They were extremely clinical. And while we had, you know, a decent amount of spell, like positive spells throughout the game, it, it just didn't it just didn't click. And for Newcastle, everything is just coming up uh, roses for them. And it's it's great. But for us, it, it just we couldn't we couldn't finish. And that was the biggest determining factor, which sets the moods for the rest of the game and did not work out well for all of us, for us at all. Yeah, not finishing. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> I think that was the Palace game last week as well. We were dogged by uh, chances that we didn't take. And, you know, we paid the price again. Uh, and, and Harsenhill then. So the Athletic reported on Sunday evening after that that Newcastle game that it was done. It was coming. We knew it was a question of, of when, really. I mean, it looked like the club were waiting for that ideal time to, to make it happen. But uh, Monday morning was that time. Yeah. It was the right. It was the right time, and we we kind of knew there was some kind of buildup to to the change that was going to happen with the World Cup break. I think everybody had it sort of penciled in and looking ahead to say, well, this is a four week break, a five week break that we're able to make maintain and complete whatever massive changes are needed because a month in a time at a football club is is that's it's years in some cases mm. because the ferocity that is necessary to maintain and stave off relegation. It's not like we're, I'm a Chicago Bears fan and I can, you know, be super happy that Justin Fields and did a great job yesterday playing against the Miami Dolphins, but can celebrate the loss because that means we're going to get a higher draft pick. It doesn't work like that. And this relegation battle now is, I mean, it's, that's why there's that feverish approach to make sure that, Whatever we need to do, we need to get things done. And a month is a long time to do that. Yeah, I guess my argument with it is, is I mean, we all thought it was going to be after that Liverpool game. So you've got the whole of the, the, the World Cup to, 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 you know, to interview and, and to make sure you, you, you're bringing the new guy in. Why do it now, though, in this case? Because Wednesday game, let's forget about that Wednesday game. It doesn't matter what happens there. We're going to go into that Liverpool game and we're going to lose, right? We, we already know we're going to lose with Ralph or without him. But wouldn't you like to have him in just for that last game anyway, rather than give it to Ruben Sellers, uh, who's not got any experience in managing a game? 
um, if we're a game that we're already going to lose anyway. They just wanted to get this process done even more longer. So they've got that's an extra week for them and an extra opportunity for whomever that new manager is uh, to be able to build in. And they can announce in what's probably going to be likely right after the Liverpool game in the first week uh, going into the World Cup. So to me, I mean, if we're going to lose it anyways, you're might as well. You're like, oh, you want to give Ralph a send off? I would actually rather just change it and get it done with. And let's just Fair move enough. on and, and 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 go from there. But I do feel sad because I mean I, I like Ralph. I always have, and at the same time I feel like a, a fresh approach is needed. So I'm, I'm I'm torn in that in that respect. But he has given everything for us, and you know four years that he's been with us, and you know we on in that number will bid him a fond farewell, and you know give him the respect that he rightly deserves. I think Ralph has played above what his level in which the players were there for he he kept us afloat and he kept us in great opportunities to be successful uh in throughout unique unique games throughout different strong long stretches of periods of time and to me i think the four years were well worth it with him in the club and helped stave off what was stagnation uh during the gal era so to mm-hmm. me I loved it, and I appreciate the time that he was uh, he was with us, and I think that he had enough, you know, with the personality and characteristics, and built the club up, changed everything over from what was, you know, just a just switched all the way completely to a B squad, and seeing all that, building all that, I'm just happy that um, we've had him, and it was the right time to do it because there was definitely some ultimately now some stagnation and that uh we need to get we need to we need to not be we need to not feel this way in two months from now no definitely not definitely not um in in terms of his replacement uh, who are you liking in the rumor mill so the are we looking at the talk sport odds that are right that are going, going on right now well i mean i've looked at some odds and there i mean there's some guff out there there i mean it's always the same the same thing but mainly at the moment, it seems Nathan Jones uh, Luton is is one to four favourite, uh, which yeah, I, I, I'm not sure on at all. You got uh, Marcelo Gallardo at River Plate's four to one. There's Rafa Benitez cropping up at sixteen to one. Tedesco at Leipzig as well, sixteen to one. Nuno Espirito Santo sixteen to one. Sean Dyche as well, sixteen to one. You got Steven <laughs> Gerrard and Vincent Company at twenties. Uh, Poch 25 to 1. Ruben Sellers 25 to 1 as well. So many outrageous candidates on the list. I think Sam Allardyce popped up. I think fucking Ted Lasso's popped up there somewhere as well. It's just, it, it's always going to happen, isn't it? But but who are you liking, Tim? If people do not know about Nathan Jones at Luton Town, and that's perfectly all right because how many people are truly out there following Luton Town? Uh, so he's been really successful there building the team up. Uh, and had is that actually in his currently in his second spell with the club, so I would highly recommend going to watch the the remarkable remarkable rise of Luton Town uh, by HITC7. So Alfie, a uh, great guy, uh, please watch his YouTube. But it does give a little bit of a background on who Nathan Jones is, and so his style of play, what he's able to bring about with the team. And significantly has built up what what was what is currently one of the lowest budgets in the in the championship. So there's a reason why that he would be in the position where he's at. Um, Gallardo, I know that he's been at River Plate since 2014, and being able to maintain that type of level 
and then coming all the way to England to be a relegation squad, like relegation team. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if that's what he should be doing. Um, and then the one, I guess the, the two obvious would candidates would have been, uh, Dominic Tedesco. And with the RB Leipzig connection, the style that we had with Ralph, are we looking for somebody who's going to be a new presence? And, yeah, well, I you know, think 16 to 1 for Tedesco is a good, good price. Yeah. And so to, uh, to me, I think that, you know, what's the likelihood of it, of him coming in? I think that if you're looking for the big name that's going to actually be willing to come here, that's the guy that you're going to be looking at. Um, I have watched enough Bodo Glimp games and probably somewhere in the range of eight to 10 to see that, uh, Knudsen is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. High flying football, uh, he's got. And really would have a good opportunity. Yeah, he's not to, on my uh, list. Uh, surprisingly, he wasn't on my list. But one thing I will mm-hmm. say is that if if Sean Dyche or Steven Gerrard are manager of Saints, then I'm giving my season ticket away because I'm not sitting there and watching Dyche ball for the next six months or so. It's just I'm just not going to do it. So with Nathan Jones, there's nothing. I won't say it's not stylish, but there is nothing significant out there that he does that is like, oh, this is my style. This is who I am. So you're going to get that, and he's going to have an amalgamation of within what the team is able to provide and do get the best out of everybody who is not necessarily doing as well. So you're going to see players who are going to do really well, and then you're going to get certain players who are dropped. And I really hope that person who's dropped is Theo Walcott because he can just be <laughs> dropped. He can be dropped right in the bin right now. So beyond beyond that, um, who do I who you know who do you want? Like I want somebody who's going to keep us and not get relegated. That's all that matters to me. Well, Sam Allardyce um, is the man then. <laughs> no, I he 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 lost that with West Brom. So no th- no no more no thank He's you. He's got a good record. Him. One thing I will say though is it, it, it's difficult to, to know where we're going to go because we don't go down that conventional route all the time. So I do think we're going to go foreign, uh, which which is fine. I, I'm I'm happy to go along with that. Um. Before we go any further, I will say we have a, uh, a surprise guest that's just ju- just jumped in on the call. Uh, the in Moscow Mush, the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton, you are, you're back. Um, after a, a long flight and living it up in Helsinki, you're uh, you're on the show. So yeah. Yeah, just just um, came in this morning on the train. And how are you doing? How are you how are you feeling about the the news that's broke this morning? I won't say it was a massive shock. Uh, I think we we sort of knew it was was coming, and this match was the only match really he had to sort of prove himself. And um, it's a good time to get a new manager in because of the break for the World Cup. So um, yeah, I can see exactly why they've um, taken that decision. I mean, it's it's sad. It's mm-hmm. really sad. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got a lot of love for Ralph, but um, yeah, where we are in the league. The results that we've had recently, yeah, I can't blame the management for doing it. Yeah, um, we're right with you there. Um, but before we go any further and before we hit hit the news some more, uh, if you would like to support our efforts and, and help to keep the show ticking over, then please consider donating to us and, and head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh, just the cost of a coffee or, or a pint or anything like that would be very much appreciated. Um and you can also check out the membership details on there. Uh, right, we're going to go. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ralph. We're going to get Kev's Kev's views and maybe Tim's views as well. And um, we'll, we'll hit the rest of the ITN news.
This is ITN in that number news. Okay, ITN news then. So yeah, Harson Hill, big news. It's seismic. It's it, it's a shame that it has come to this, but you know, I I, I feel like. Kev, I mean, I've been talking to Tim as well about this, that, you know, he's taken them as far as he possibly can and and things are just not improving. Uh, Steps have to be taken now while there is plenty of time. Uh, And and Ruben Seles is going to take control of that Sheffield Wednesday and Liverpool game. Uh, And and also Richard Kitzbichler has has been relieved of his duties also, along with Ralph. Uh, Kev, have you heard any of the the, uh, incoming or the rumour mill? Yeah, Nathan Jones, um, he he is like, oh, John, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's the next manager. Uh, I'm not sure about him because um, although he's been working wonders at, at Luton, um, he did have a, a dodgy spell at, at Stoke. And um, we've seen previous managers come in after a dodgy spell at Stoke and they haven't done particularly well. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim's suggestion of um, Kiel Knudsen, um, he's the exact uh, manager you've never heard of that would fit the bill, I think. This is what um, I mean about the, the 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 not the conventional route. It's something that I can see us doing, and also the Tedesco yeah. as well. I, I think it's something that they. Yeah, I mean, he's been a name that's popped up whenever the Ralph Out Brigade have um, decided that he's already gone, and, and that's happened a few times over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, yeah, that 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 would be a decent choice as well. Um, but yeah, I'm looking looking at some of the odds here. Sean Dyke, seven to seven to one. Seven to one now. God, he's jumped he's jumped up quite a bit from when I looked, and I only looked about half an hour before we started recording. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Giardo, Poch, um, Vincent Company, Spirit Santo, Fonseca. What's uh, what's, um, what's Pochettino on the latest? Because I got him at sixteen to one. Oh, he's gone down a bit. Yeah. To bet for. Uh, yeah, if, we, if we're going to have a reunion with another manager, I mean, hey, Mauricio Pellegrini and Football, both of that are like, <laughs> So I think I think we need to step in quick. Kev, you can even go further back than that because at the Newcastle game yesterday, Nigel Adkins was there at half time, so <laughs> he got a nice uh, nice ovation from the fans, and, and yeah, that that was nice. I'll take him back. Let's go. Even if he just comes in for those two games and just helps Ruben Sellers out, but let's just have Nigel Atkins for the uh, for shits and giggles. Why not? Yeah, I mean, you could be sentimental and look back on it. I think, you know, there's been a lot of great times that we had and a lot of times that were not as ideal and specifically two losses that were pretty bad. Um, but you can't be sentimental in this in in this type of a uh, this type of field and we appreciate it, but time to go on and on to the next one and let's just uh let's just not get relegated yeah absolutely and and kev um when the news broke out today uh, there was there was thoughts on you know how he's tried to build this team it's a young team and how you need time for these young players to develop and someone reported that the fact that you don't get the time in the premier league and if the results aren't going your way then this this is what's going to happen this is what we were worried about at the start of the season even at the um at the start of the uh transfer window we said okay we've got some good players they're going to be fine for next two or three years but i mean are they going to be with us in the championship then uh, well yeah i mean that does, does look like a brilliant squad for the championship doesn't it is it's strange that um this is how many windows now that we haven't filled that big Danny Ings-shaped hole up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've brought in a load of exciting youngsters that, you know, in a season or two will probably be brilliant. The new manager will get time with the squad and then we'll have uh, a short period of <laughs> very intense fixture, fixture clusters 
and then bang, a January transfer window. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be interesting. This will be a very interesting window to see what um, Sport Republic are going to do to the new guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully it's one a manager that can bring with him uh, just um, an out-and-out centre-forward goal scorer. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely needed. Okay, we'll move on from Ralph uh, a little bit. I'm sure he'll crop up uh, as we go on. Um, I I put a poll out on social media in the the week. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Kevin, but... um, I just I, I just asked the simple question: Would you take Ainsley Maitland Niles on a permanent? Um, and mm. there's just three options: just yes, no, or you know the jury's still out. I guess I want to say the jury's still out, but I think I'm inclined to say yes because he's just that utility player that everybody needs and just a good squad player all round. I think so. I would say yes. Uh, social media result: It was 57% said yes, 8% said no. And 35% said the jury is still out. Uh, Tim, what about you? Yes or no? Would you take him or jury's still out? Jury's still out. It's first part of the season. And when you don't, well, I don't want a player like Amen in our team if we're playing the championship next year. Um, although you could say that he's the perfect championship player, too, because he can play. He's, he's versatile. He'll probably be able to play midweek sometimes, and then play and you know for and cover for right back, and then he can play center mid. Um, but to me, he's not really what I'm what what I'm looking for long term, and to be successful. But um, he definitely does have that squad depth, as like you mentioned. So uh, let's let's have this conversation again in March, and we'll go from there. One thing I will say is that Arsenal don't seem to be uh, missing him too much, do they, Kev? Yeah, apparently not. Um, yeah, I think the jury's still out. Um, yeah, gun to your head, uh, yes or no. Yes, yeah, he's a, he's a useful player to have. Um, but like Tim said, yeah, there's, there's still the possibility that we won't be in the Premier League next season. Yeah, I think there's a big question over the price tag as well. It depends how much we're going to have to part with to, to, to keep him. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because if he if he starts underperforming, we're not going to want him. Uh, if he's if he overperforms, then Arsenal are going to inflate his price, and we, you know, yeah. it's a catch twenty two. Musa Gineppo, by the way, missed the Newcastle clash because he was awaiting the birth of his first child, um, and he's with his wife in Paris. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. So I'm guessing he's still waiting. So yeah. That we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and also, there's uh, a new sponsor for our training kit. Uh, we will partner with EcoWatt for the remainder of the season. Uh, EcoWatt buys and builds renewable power stations to expand the supply rapidly, while sim- simultaneously funding projects that are key drivers in removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. No, I don't work for them. That, that is just, yeah, uh, that is just what they do. Sponsored by them. <laughs> Yeah, so it's very, very good fit for the club, I think. Um, Something that I do want to want to talk about, it does have connections with Ralph as well. Uh, I know when Charlie Austin left, he he badmouthed Ralph and he badmouthed the fans and everything to do with Southampton, really. Uh, Jan Valerie did something similar as well, but in a more tasteful way. Nathan Redmond as well has had some things to say about his exit and how, you know, the the last few months of his tenure here... uh, well, how it went. And I don't know if you heard this. Basically, he said, no, I'm going to read this. I'm not going to paraphrase. I'm going to read this because I think it's important. I I always tried my best for the club. There are some fantastic people there, but the morals and values I signed up for, the longer I was there, the more I saw them slip away. Once Van Dyke and Tadic left, there was a a new wave with Bertrand, Hoybier, Ings, 
I saw them all walk out the door when I thought we would have some ambition to hold on to them and go again. We gave our all to the press, but never really got much back in terms of attacking output. We got figured out, and that's where frustration set in between players, fans and staff. We stagnated. So that's quite damning from Redmond. It just seems to me that every player that leaves the club, does, they don't seem to have anything nice to say about the way that it's been going. Yeah, like Bednarik, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Bednarik's another one. Yeah, exactly. But, well, yeah, it's just... It's, it's strange, and uh, there's, there's, it always goes back to that point that the, the players don't seem to be getting on with Ralph. And it just, I, I feel now that now he's gone, there's going to be a lot more people that come forward and say this is what was going on, and you know. Yeah, possibly. Let's take, let's even, I want to say, simplify it more. If you were leaving a job, and somebody like myself who's leaving a job, are are you going to have good things to say? Are you going to have bad things to say? I believe and, and... I believe in karma. So I would always say good things about it. Even if I got sacked, I think I would say something nice about them just because, you know, you never know when your paths are going to cross again. Correct. And you're, you're going to take the time. You want to take the best of what you can in the situation. And so the way he was describing it was there were good people there and like the, the club management, the club personnel. Uh, there were good coworkers that he had there. And he felt that the ambition wasn't there by leave, letting those players go. Now, he's right. He's right. And well, we, were, we were told this ambition was going to be to be a top 10 club. Martin Simmons said that at the start of the season in the fans forum. Where is the ambition gone? Those players have gone and they have not replaced them. They were. They've replaced them with 17 year olds. It's, I don't know where the club stands. And this new manager coming in is going to need to buy into this new Wow, this ambition that we, we apparently have. I'm doing air quotations now because I don't believe we have the ambition at the moment. The thing though is you have to look at the end of, you have to look at the individuals and did they want to be here as well based on how everything was going. No, so Ings didn't want to be here. Ings well, would have signed the new contract if he wanted to be here. There was yeah, there's three people he mentioned Bertrand, there was Hoiberg, Hoiberg and Ings. Ings didn't want to be here, like you just said. And we offered him one, and he didn't. Bertrand was actually the right thing to let him go when he did. Mm-hmm. And I think Perot is doing just fine, is an equivalency. You know, you think about got, who, you and know, you've got a lot of money for Hoybier. You had to take yeah. it, you couldn't turn well, that down. You took it's a, it's a one for one with Hoybier for Walker Peters, and Hoyberg wasn't going to stay here again. Now, he maybe he would have, and maybe if you built a team around it, like you're saying, like you're continually investing, that, that would have made sense. But to me, in those specific situations, showing ambition is one thing versus the whole picture. And maybe it's the club that was not able to invest in a total perspective around these players that may have want, eventually wanted them to stick with it. But I think that Hoybjerg was going to leave no matter what. Uh, I mean, if you're playing for Bayern and you come to Southampton, you're you're what's your logical next step if you're still a good player? You're going to go to a big team. Uh, Ings wanted one last payday, which makes sense. And Bertrand was too old and his uh, my too old. His skills were dwindling, and I think that in terms of a replacement, a like for like replacement in Perot, he's been doing just fine in compar- mm. in comparatively. So um, he's correct in everything that he's saying, but. You also have to look at those people, and I don't think it's a it's a hodgepodge of everybody's correct, and that's that's the best that you know when everybody's correct, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, well said. Kind of agree certain things about that. Yeah. Then we go on to the loanies, and there's been FA Cup round one this weekend. 
Um, unfortunately, them lot up the road are, are through to round two after coming from behind to beat National League Northside Hereford. Um, still could be a possibility of a January third round tie against them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so our loanees <laughs> didn't do too well in the cup because you've got Caleb Watts at Morecambe uh, and they're out. They lost 2-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Dan and Linda lose Cheltenham Town. They're out of the cup as well. They lost to Southern League Alvechurch. Where's Alvechurch, Kev? I haven't got a fucking clue. It's in Worcestershire. There we go. <laughs> Caught you out. Uh, Thierry Small, uh, who's, who's back, by the way, uh, at Port Vale. They're out of the cup as well. Uh, <laughs> and actually, they, they Port Vale and Exeter met up. So Thierry Small and, and Kegs Chalky. Uh, so Port Vale are out. Are out and uh, Exeter are free. They beat Port Vale 3-2. Um, and Dinel Simu's Tranmere also out of the cup. They lost 2-1 to Carlisle. So all the loanees are out. So uh, apart from uh, Exeter. Uh, birthdays then. Former player and manager Mark Hughes was his birthday was on the 1st of November. How old is Mark Hughes, guys? 61. 58. 59. 59. Close. That's good. Uh, and uh, obviously, Captain James Wood-Prowse, his birthday was on the 1st of November also. How old is James Wood-Prowse? Uh, 28. He's 28, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Jason Dodd on November the 2nd. How old is Jason Dodd? 48. He's 52. Uh, player and goal of the month then. Kevin, uh, I don't know if you know the results, but did you want to do them if you do, or do you want me to read them? <clears throat> um, you, you do the honours this time. Oh, I've never done it before. So mm-hmm. so we'll go with the goal nominations then, because we put that, that poll out first. Gave you four options. We had Joe Aribo versus Everton. Uh, Roman Perro against West Ham, Che Adams against Bournemouth, uh, and Stuart Armstrong's equaliser against Arsenal. Uh, Tim, what would you have gone with? Uh, I mean, I always enjoy a good left foot shot from Perot, but I think it's gotta be it's gonna be it's gonna be Adams with the the header against right. Bournemouth to win to win because it's to win. That's why. Yeah, sure. It gave you three points, didn't it? Um, I think I went for Stuart Armstrong. Kev, what did you go for? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> well, okay, what would you go for now? <laughs> I, th- I think it was Bazaar. What, as goal? That's, in- that's yeah. interesting. Goal of the month. <laughs> we had the most carries. Um, so he, didn't, he didn't score. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Stuart Armstrong, he, he won with 50% of the votes uh, on Instagram and 67% of the votes on uh, Twitter. So, yeah, easy. Easy win for, for Stuart Armstrong. So he wins uh, goal of the month. Uh, it was the equaliser against Arsenal, by the way. Uh, and then we gave you uh, player of the month nominations, and they were Roman Perro, Mohamed Salisu, Mohamed Elianusi, and Gavin Bazunu. Uh, and the winner was, not surprising, it was Roman Perro with 67% of the votes. So, yeah, quite a... It wasn't really close this month for, for both gongs he, he he deserved it so good i mean he's he's basically been the most consistent in quality of consistency that we've had so far this season um yeah. so he's having his quote-unquote breakout season but uh, his ability to press forward his ability to make runs as we can definitely see and his um, ability to be clinical and find the net goal. yeah exactly uh, yeah just ask nick pope uh, and Fabianski loves a goal against West Ham. Uh, the B team, uh, yes, they've had no games since that 8 1 win over Middlesbrough, which we brought to you last week. And their next one is uh, Monday the 7th, so that's tonight. Uh, Sunderland away. Um, that is one o'clock, so that's about an hour's time. 
so yeah, look out for that one. Uh, women's then uh, championship game against Coventry United under the lights on Wednesday night at St Mary's. A three nil win and a hat trick for Casey Wilkinson. First goal for the club as well. You know, you wait that long and then, you know, like buses, they all come along at once. So brilliant win for for Saints women. Third in the table, um, which is excellent. They've really started picking up. Maybe they could be a Premier League team next year. Who knows? Uh, and the men certainly won't be. Uh, but yeah, their next match is Sunday, the 20th of November. And that's Blackburn Rovers at Ewood Park, uh, 2 p.m. kickoff. Um, and the under 18s, they had their final uh, group game of the under 18 Premier League Cup. And they drew 1 1 with Everton at Finch Farm. And another goal from Dom Ballard. Give him a chance. <laughs> Wouldn't it be something if Ruben Sellers calls up Dom Ballard? <laughs> Just like, I have the power to do that now. And he puts him on against Sheffield Wednesday and he scores again. I think there's a good chance he could play in that Wednesday game. Yeah, he, should, he should absolutely be playing. Yeah. Um, they, he, he needs to either be starting or have some significant minutes. Like, yeah, I want I want to see Don Ballard. I well, want I mean, to see he, played, Edwards, he, he played against Cambridge, didn't he? So he yeah. scored against Cambridge. So, yeah, I mean, let, let him, let him yeah. keep going. OK, and their next match is uh, Saturday the 19th of November. And that's Arsenal away at the Arsenal Training Centre. OK. Kevin and Tim, uh, Newcastle, Newcastle United, then we have to do this. It's it's, it's not pleasant. Uh, entering the match in the relegation zone. Um, Leicester picking up a win. Leeds picking up a win as well. It's, it's Everyone seems to be winning down there. Everton, sorry, Aston Villa shock win against Man United as well. The, everyone around us seems to be winning and, and, and we are not. Uh, so he made four changes and... Armar Belakoc up straight into the lineup. Surprisingly, uh, we knew he would be in contention. Just, I guess, not from the off. Uh, and, and Larry Austin for his for his second start. Maitland Niles and another surprise. Kevin was Theo Walcott. His first start since Boxing Day last year. And if I'm being honest, as, as much as of a shock it was, I wasn't that upset about his inclusion because you know he's been on the fringes for a while now. Things haven't been working. So why not change things up? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised at all. I mean, after that open training session that we went to, it really looked, looked really tasty there, didn't it? It did, yeah. And um, did you get a hat trick for the B team? He did, as yeah. Well? yeah. So, yeah, so you sort of think, well, maybe you know, maybe you still got it. Um, no. <laughs> as it turned out. He no, he really does not. Doesn't. No, it's yeah. just when it, when it gets to that you know the, the the crunch time for him. He just never seems to uh, never seems to get there. But Bella Kochap straight into the lineup and Lavia. Well, yes, yeah, Lavia was back, but on the bench. Mm. Um, I, I mentioned last week in the in the build up or the preview to this game that Bella Kochap will probably be on the bench and Lavia will get the start because simply because Lavia played that B team uh, that B team game against Middlesbrough as well, uh, and Bella Kochap didn't. So the fact that he started Bella Kochap and not Lavia. Was that a surprise for you? That was a surprise, yeah. Yeah. Um, although, you know, with Maitland-Niles and Prousey um, as the mid- midfield too, and you sort of build it around that, I don't know. I think, yeah, there's a big, there's a lot of competition for places now. I don't know who he squeezes out. Diallo's certainly not going to look in. <laughs> yeah. Dreadful against Palace, he was, yeah. Against Palace, yeah. Yeah, Larios. I mean, I didn't know what, what was happening with him because I saw Larios and, and Perro in the in the side and I thought, well, who's going to be playing left back? Who's going to be playing mm-hmm. right back? I just assumed that, 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 like Sky had put up, that, that Perro would, would be shifted to the right 
because he's just more experienced and uh, Larios will stay on the left, but it wasn't the case. Perot kept on the left and, and Larios went to the right. So, again, surprised me. Yeah. Are they not both left-footed as well? They are both left-footed, yeah. Yeah, so it's a real hot of a team. I guess Ralph thought that, you know, it, we keep uh, Perot on the left because he's just got a better left foot to put the ball in the box as well if we get the opportunity to get ball. He was right about that. Yeah. <laughs> Just not not putting it in the box for someone. He just hit it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, well beaten anyway. A four-one, and, and much the same as the Palace game. We had chances that we couldn't convert. Yeah. One from um, Elianusi and one from from Shay Adams, which I don't quite know how how Elianusi missed that. That was a sitter. Uh, yeah, Tim. I think it was a well, it was a fairly positive start to the game. I think. I mean, we we looked up for it, and I was up for it. I was really really raring to go. I mean, it didn't help that I had a. I had a few beers beforehand, and I met. I, incidentally, I met up with Colt and I had a beer with him, uh, which was nice, and and Kev McGee as well. So hi guys. But yeah, Perro forced a save from Nick Pope early on as well, and it it yeah, as I say, it looked quite positive to start with, but then it didn't take long for for Newcastle to start to see more of the ball. I honestly, I mean, the end of the stats can really show the, the entire game, but it did look fairly evenly matched going throughout the beginning. And uh, well, your optimism going into the game made sense to me because there was just that, you know, you're looking for that one chance or that one opportunity to be uh, successful and to get something going. And of course it didn't happen. Uh, but we definitely were showing that we had that promise. It's the it's the thought that counts, right? <laughs> yeah, Kev Larios went off injured quite early. I think it was the 34th minute or around there. Reshuffle was needed. La- Lavia comes in and Maitland-Niles then gets shifted to right back. Everything hunky-dory still. Yeah, you, you think that yeah, Maitland-Niles is a utility player that he is. Finally at right um, back. What I've been calling Finally at right back, yeah. <laughs> it's either him or Browsey. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, mate. Mate, mate and um, I don't know why he hasn't played priority at right back yet. I mean, he hasn't been particularly amazing in midfield. It's not like we're going to be missing out on anything. But yeah, okay. Um, yeah, bring in Lavia. Fine, that's the expected solution. Come on a little bit earlier than we than we first thought. But yeah, it's, it, nevertheless, really nice to see him. Great uh, ovation from the crowd, as you'd expect. Uh, but then, as soon as we made that change, Tim, we go one 0 down. Almiron, the man of the moment. How we. I bigged him up last week saying that, you know, he's, he's just been a different player this season. Um, they did some analysis on him that his game has picked up because he's got Trippier playing right behind him, who's been playing excellent. Um, but I don't you know, this was quite, I don't want to say it was lucky because he did well, but I don't know. He just kind of ran through Maitland-Niles and I think he's got to be stronger right there, but kind of bit, a bit fortunate to have the ball land at his feet again but yeah good finish and one nil down everything you're saying is correct because what his skill was put him in the opportunity to have luck go his way so you could have had you know only Anusi there and his, you know somebody like that who's not going to have the progressions going forward which wouldn't get him the opportunity to be lucky so all in all Trippier is pushing him through Almiron is really hot. Sometimes luck goes your way, and he—I he, mean—he's got a wicked left. He's got a wicked left foot. And having se- seen him play probably three times, two or three times in person with Atlanta United, and watching multiple games with him, he was—I mean—he was a force uh, with with them. And there's a reason that Newcastle signed him. So 
it's crazy to see that it took them multiple years to pick up back on. Usually you don't get that opportunity uh, for that long in going into his third year here. So I think great for him, and but shit for us. Yeah, he's, I don't know what it is, but he's just got one of those faces that you just want to punch. I really would love to punch him. Just, just cannot stand his face. It's because he has his skin is it's it's such it, he has such smooth skin. That's why he's got a baby face. Yeah, uh, it, it just and, I don't, I don't want to punch why. a baby. By the way, I, I'm not I'm not saying that. But whenever, <laughs> whenever I see him celebrate and that stupid little grin that he gets on his face, it just my blood boils. And I don't know. It, mind you, it does when anyone scores against us. But two of those Newcastle goals were scored right in front of me and I had Chris Wood and Joe Willock sliding on their knees and putting their fingers to their lips and it's just... Stick, stick up your ass. Yeah. Uh, Tim, yeah, El- Elianusi chance. It, it, it looks worse the more you see it because, Kev, it was a lovely bit of build-up play between Che and Stu down that um, right-hand side. He puts uh, Che does a little back heel to Stu. Stu runs in, uh, puts in a pinpoint cross. Perfect. Um, right across the face of goal and it's just falling on to to Elianusi's foot and honestly it looked harder to miss but miss he did that was a a real wasted chance against him yeah absolutely because we talk about Shea being able to build in and be that second striker uh, knowing that knowing and getting into those positions and Armstrong making the runs which we've seen for multiple years now puts the ball in and it should have been 1-1 and it wasn't and that deflated the team, whether or not they think it, think it did, but it absolutely deflated it going into the second half and uh, just downhill could, from there. Could have changed the game, that, couldn't it? Cause, uh, oh, we, it, would, it would have been a complete game changer. Yeah. But, I mean, even as the second half come on, it was the mo- one of the most frustrating points of the season for me because um, we, we we had so much of the ball and we couldn't do anything with it. We were, just weren't creating anything. And... and we were right in the game at that point. Okay, we were 1-0 down. We could have had that 1-1 with Elianusi just before the break. But you go out into the second half and, and you keep the ball and not do anything with it. It's I, I don't know. You just felt at that point that it could have gone either way. And Newcastle weren't even trying to attack. They were just happy to sit back and soak everything that we have. And I, I couldn't remember Bazunu having anything to do early on. I mean, he could have had a chat with our resident pigeon there. I saw that he was included in the um, lineup when they announced that. Yeah, uh, brilliant. He was there again. He was there again. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the same one, but I swear they're feeding him now. But yeah, he, mm-hmm. he, could, he could have just had a chat with him. And I mean, Maitland-Niles, he had a run uh, into the box, Tim, and he could have hit a better cross. Um, and then Che Adams again with a glorious chance to level. Uh, and again, wasted. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really upset with the pigeon there. Uh, it didn't do enough. It wasn't in, it wasn't, it wasn't in it, this position. He was off. He, we saw him better last yeah, week. He came on get close enough to his man. Did he? He was just yeah. his own out there. He was yeah. doing his best Elianusi impression. Absolutely. <laughs> and total sidebar. Don't feed pigeons bread or feed other uh, birds bread because all it does is expand their stomach and it it pretends that they have food and digestion, but they don't. So please don't do that. Feed it feed, you know, like traditional or if you're actually going to feed birds um, in a proper bird feeder besides. um, And the biggest thing is, is we need that our pigeon to be buff and be ready to go for the remaining (laughs) part of the season. 
So I want it looking. I want him. I want him tough. I want him feeling good. I want him ready to go. And stop feeding him bread. Don't feed him the uh, those shitty pies that you can get at the game. No, no. Bring your bird feed. <laughs> We're gonna put him in there. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be fa- falling in with us for the second half. I'm totally gonna I do this on Wednesday. I'm gonna go and feed that that pigeon. I'm gonna. Yeah, but. That's totally that's totally fine, and as long as you're you know they, you you go through the turnstiles and they say why the hell do you have bird feet? I well you know we're uh, we're fe- we're feeding the twelfth man today. Twelfth man, the 12th yeah. Man. The twelfth man is there and ready to go. That's the, the January signing that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's good. Um, but again, you know, Kev, you don't take your chances and you get punished, and and that's what's happened because at that point, Newcastle had two shots, um, and they had two goals. Um, and in four minutes, and I just felt it was undeserved. And I don't know, I couldn't believe that we were three down. And Wood, Wood with the first, I don't know, it was just more of a, just a turn and a quick shot. And then the third on the counter, Trippier's ball was brilliant, by the way. But um, yeah, he just freed Willock with it. And then that was it, game over. I just couldn't believe that we were three down after after that. It just didn't take a lot for them either, did it? It was just, I mean, it, it just, the problem is this clinical finishing. And it's nothing that we it's we just been talking about. it. It's been the theory. It's not theory. It's the practice for the last few games now. And they have a hot hand. They had Chris Wood, of all people, you know, coming in and scoring in the and And then but the let's let's not take away the Willick goal, because that was just pure, beautiful uh, football right there with Trippier diving in and going through Salisu and ABK had that high line where it needed to be. It was a pinpoint pass. And then he, he had, okay. I have, I have not seen anybody toe poke the ball in years and score a goal. (laughs) And that wasn't like a complete, like inside of the six yard box. That was just like, Oh, I'm just going to kick it. Cause it's like, I needed to kick it in. He out from outside the box or just like right inside the 18 there. He toe-poked it past Bazunu, in which all of the goals went past Bazunu to the left. I think they're just maybe they're you know they looked through and the scouting report said go to go to go to Bazunu's left. But I haven't seen a goal like that in the 18 yards since the Oscars 2014 goal that just was uh, in the World Cup, and it was mm. uh, that was people should be doing it more. Honestly, as a keeper, I'm not surprised because the toe poke you can easily punt. And by punt, you can easily kick it faster with a normal swing than if you could with a curl. And he used the the slipperiness of the of the pitch there. And you were there. You could talk about the rain a little bit and see how that affected the game. Um, but to me, that well, it was affected just, my mood. That's for sure. It was yeah, and that was but that was a picture perfect goal. And I want to give them props for that one. But the other three, they can go fuck themselves. That was terrible. <laughs> Um, okay, well, we did get a consolation, and it was Raymond Perro. A lovely goal. This was the best goal, Tim. You talk about Willock. You want, I want you. I want to hear you. You know, get hard for Perro now. Oh, it's not that hard um, to do that. Uh, but let's go with Perro's finishing. And uh, I, also, I didn't know he had the audacity to, you know, put the defender down like that and said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag it in with my, and then I'm gonna drag it in and then hit with my outside foot. Or my my less less than good foot was right foot there, mm. um, but he was you know he closed right side of the corner of the six yard and he saw that outside of the one defender coming in couldn't think I can't remember who that is I think it was their sub that came in um, was it Anderson I don't know I think Anderson or whatever it doesn't matter we fucking lost so <laughs> um, 
so continue, but going from that, he also early in the first half had a beautiful right footed shot that I did not expect from him. So to me, seeing that I, you know, Perot won our, you know, our, he won the uh, man of the month last month and he's only continuing going forward. So yeah. taking the, he, taking the team on his back and saying, this is how you do it, Jay, this is what you need to do. Uh, how do you, I mean, you drop a guy in the 18, you play the slippery ball and you finish with the outside of your foot and you're the fucking fullback too. Yeah. Like, why are we letting our fullback be the best player on the, and fuck it. Let's just go like uh, five at the back and put him in left wing back and just let him run upfield and then get Leonco to manhandle uh, Gabriel Martinelli again. Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's I, just I'm, go for it. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that we should be putting Paro up front for the uh, Wednesday game or even the Liverpool game. No, why not? Because he's uh, the only one that seems to be finishing right now. Yeah, uh, we need, we need to. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to. I want him to play against Liverpool. I think he's our only chance to even get anywhere cl- close to goal. <laughs> yeah, um, and Bruno Gimmerish with the fourth. It was, I don't know. It was just a pot shot. It was a good one. It was a good one. He curled it right in the spot where Bazuna couldn't get it, and I just thought, yeah, you know. A lot of the fans had already left at that point anyway, but I was I still sat there and um, I just thought, yeah, get me out of this. Get us out of this mess right now. Um, I've got some stats for you, Kevin. Um, I know you, you, you normally do these stats, but if you if you think that we lose a game 4-1 at home and yet we have more possession, we've got 55% of the uh, possession to their 45, we had 16 shots to their seven uh, and we had five on target to their four. Four shots on target, four goals. Uh, it's just, it's awful. And the XG, again, we win the XG 1.7 to their 0.9. How would you have 0.9 and score four goals? It's just, oh. That's, that's insane. Yep. And it just goes to show that we can't we can't do anything. It's just, we're, we're, yeah, we're not good enough. And Tim, I'm going to ask you for your man of the match, but I have a feeling I already know who it's going to be. Yeah, it's our keeper, Lazunin. You know, he did great, such a great job letting him play. No, uh, the only person who had any, the only person who had any heart, he, he worked his ass off. He did such a great job. Theo Walcott, congratulations. You are the man of the match. Okay, but, but really, um, you're going with can, Perot. Uh, keep doing, keep yeah. doing this. <laughs> you could do, you could do it for the whole team. To, to be yeah, fair, I think, I think, I think Stuart Armstrong was okay, but then he got taken off, which was, I, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. I, I I mean, I've had directions from drunken Scotsmen that have made more sense than that. But this is this is what Ralph Ralph does sometimes. And, you know, but yeah, Perot for me, Perot for you. Kevin, are you going to take it as well? It, it's unanimous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see why not. Right. Let's put that game to bed because I've had enough of Newcastle. I don't want to hear about them being third in the league. <laughs> Good, um, new, good night, Newcastle. Okay, so we have to go on. We we have to go on without without Ralph now, and we have Sheffield Wednesday uh, on Wednesday. Fancy that, hey? Wednesday the ninth of November at quarter to eight kickoff, and that's at St Mary's. Uh, biggest wins against Sheffield Wednesday. Then we had a four 0 win in nineteen seventy. Woohoo! Uh, a five one win in the FA Cup in nineteen eighty four. Um, last five. Actually, our, our last meeting at home against them was was in the League Cup, uh, in, and that was in 2012. And we had a 2-0 win. Um, the last five at home against them are a win, draw, draw, a win and a win. So that's not bad, right? And our last loss at home to Wednesday was back in November of 1997. 
So a long, long time ago since they've won on the South Coast. Um, head to head then, we've won 26, they've won 33, and we've drawn 24. Uh, Tim, League One Sheffield Wednesday then, having a good season so far. I think they're up to third at the moment. Um, they've had three losses and they've had 10 wins in the league. And they've been spreading the goals around as well. Five players are on four goals. And I think the way things are going, we'll be facing them in the championship next season. So this could just be a little precursor to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Wednesday was in the in the, in the the championship for a number of years there. They probably are going probably 15 years. And then a couple of years ago, they got relegated. And that could have probably just been COVID um, getting a little bit unlucky. And so opportunities for them, uh, they should be perpetually in the playoff or in the uh, you know, at direct promotion spots for League One and a decent chance that we'll be playing them next year. So uh, crazy to think about, but uh, let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday's best player. Uh, that is Barry the, great, <laughs> the great Barry Bannon. Oh, and, Oh, sorry, this is going to be a Barry Bannon love fest just because of his clinical and his ability to play uh, in center mid. I think uh, I, the reason I know about Sheffield Wednesday is for a number of years when it comes to football manager and with um, with FIFA, I would be I, Sheffield Wednesday was my lower league team. Uh, so I've been following now actually for a long period of time. So which is crazy to think about. And so three players uh, well, four players we want to focus on and. I'll let Barry Bannon be the last one, but Mark McGinnis is 21 years old. So if we're going to see a full fledged lineup for them, he's the best uh, prospect for them. Now he's on loan from Cardiff. So what are we going to do? What are we going to think about? And it was a left sided center back like that. Uh, I think that we could potentially expose him, but I think he's going to be the one who's going to challenge us uh, the most on their back line. And then you've got Liam Palmer there in right uh, in terms of a right wing back or right back. I don't know, whatever he's at currently. Um, but seeing that he has been he's like Barry Bannon. He's been there for a number of years. It's got to be there probably seven, eight, uh, ten, or even close to 10 years. He's been with the team. So um, he, he's got the he's got the energy, but also has the um, maturity back there to help lead what is an inconsistent uh, League One level uh, uh, defense. Uh, we've got uh, Josh Windus, or is it Windass? No, it's Windass. It's, Windass. it's Dean Windass's it's, son. Yeah, okay. you're right. It's Windass. Yeah. So yeah, Dean. So Josh Dean Windass. I mean, traditional, t- typical League One striker. Uh, work rate, attack word going forward is going to be fantastic. Uh, not the best defender. Uh, he ain't sh- he ain't shit level of the defensive forward, but. Um, definitely has the ability to take a snapshot and have a quick clinical finish. Uh, so hopefully that we can avoid and push him off. And then last but not least, Barry Bannon. Uh, if you don't know him in terms of his stature, he is what, uh, what Ward Prowse should be. And what Ward Prowse, and the reason I say that is a center mid, his ability to have and dribble through everybody is just crazy. And so watching through it, looking through it all, he's not your guy who's going to be your strong person. He's not going to be your guy who's really going to beat you by pure speed. He is your picture perfect passer, your dribble, uh, your dribbler. Um, I mean, he's got, he's extremely agile because he's so low to the ground being five, six or whatever he is. So, um, I don't know what that is in the Imperial units, but sure. It's 1.7 <laughs> meters, I believe. Yeah. So pretty, he's a, obviously a short guy. Um, and 
he is the linchpin for the team. If you're able to shut him down, there will you will not they will this will be an easy win. So hopefully he's not playing. I really hope he's not, and uh, let's hope that he isn't because. If he doesn't, then we completely have. We should be. We should be dominating this team, even with Sal sacking Ralph. Um, just before you go any further with the predictions, I just want to say that Jacob Tanswell's just put a report out saying that Luton Town uh, give permission for Nathan Jones to speak to Southampton. So yeah, whether you want him or not, it looks like uh, he's getting his interview. Interesting. Yes. Uh, predictions for Sheffield Wednesday then. Tim, you're up first, mate. Um, I think that they're going to rest him because, I mean, they just beat Morecambe away, Morecambe away or home. It was in the FA Cup uh, game recently. And, uh, yeah, so I think I think we do take it, though. I think we, like, scrape by 2-1. Uh, I could also see us being completely blown out or completely looking crazy or stupid because, uh, com- you know, com- uh, we just lost our manager. We could be completely disheveled and – Hopefully we can push back against uh, and come back to Liverpool, but two one, um, I'll take it, and we'll get some clinical finishing from uh, Dominic Ballard or Samuel Dozy. <laughs> Still going on the Samuel Dozy. Oh, you never know, mate. A new manager bounce might might help. I mean, it worked for Unai Emery yesterday, so why can't it work for us? Um, I'm going to go two 0 Saints. I don't think they're going to cause us any problems, Barry Bannon or not. He's 32 years old, Tim. He's not going to cause us any problems. Well, <laughs> I say that. I said that Chris Wood wasn't going to cause us any problems, and he did. So, yeah, 2-0. Uh, 2-0 Saints. Uh, and Kevin? Yeah, I have exactly the same score. Um, I think, yeah, Mac is going to keep a clean sheet. Um, if we've got a new manager in place, it'll be um, a good place to test the waters. <laughs> it'll be interesting if he does get a clean sheet, and then the manager's like, oh, he's better than Bazzini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, But again, our week is not done there um, and we have to go to Anfield on Saturday, the 12th of November. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff. um, And that's at Anfield, of course. Uh, Just the the last one before the World Cup. Liverpool won yesterday against um, Tottenham, their first away win of the season. That that does that does surprise me. Biggest wins against Liverpool then, as you can imagine, right, not many victories at Anfield in our entire existence. Um, Slim pickings, just the seven in total, seven wins at Anfield. Um, But the one that I picked out and I remember was that 3-2 win back in 1998. Um, And we cannot forget Shane Long's 90th minute winner in the second Mm -hmm. leg of the EFL Cup in January. 2017 still gives me goosebumps. I bet it does. Okay, I bet it gives you a boner, Kev. Yeah, and me and Liverpool. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, our last five at Anfield. Can you believe this? Right, it's not pretty. It's a loss, 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 loss. So five big L's. It's uh, a three nil, a three nil, a four nil, a two nil, and a four nil. So in the last five games, five losses, no goals scored and 16 goals conceded. Ah, oh, good. Uh, we've won uh, head to head in total 31 games to Liverpool's 60. Uh, and we've drawn at 25. Tim, this is not good reading, is it? In the situation that we're in, we need to have a break. Uh, we can't carry on like this. Um, 
Liverpool then, how are we going to lose to them? Well, uh, unlike uh, a Barry Bannon uh, fine aged wine, uh, it's just <laughs> going to be a complete uh, it's going to be a complete domination from just about everybody else. And the reason I say that is let's take a look at what is the next step ahead. And that is the World Cup. So looking at who are their predominant players, um, I think the one person that we are seeing is a massive drop off, and that's Van Dyke. And I think that if we're going to expose anybody, he's going to be looking at not necessarily at the um, at this game. He's going to be looking ahead. So let's hope that's an afterthought alongside with Trent Alexander-Arnold and our and England's right back injury crisis. Uh, but when you look at everybody else, who are they going to play? Who's going to be there? And uh, so Mohamed Salah, uh, geez, I mean, he, he we're playing with Egypt, so he's going to want to get some game time in. Uh, and then, I mean, who else are we looking for? Luis Diaz, uh, Andrew Robertson. So they're off. Uh, they're not in the World Cup with Colombia and Scotland, respectively. So taking a look, um, Allison's going to be playing. Fabinho is probably maybe potentially going to get called up for Brazil. Uh, Firmino, uh, let's, I think Ibrahima Kanate is a decent chance to get called up as well. So what we're hoping for is we want to have the opportunity for them to be caught out. And the focus is not on this game. It's for the major players to be world, to be world cup bound. Um, so that's going to be our only saving grace and help hope where we are going to be genuinely focused. We're going to be thinking about, um, you know, with the new manager coming in, what the formations are going to be, what's going to go on. And I think there's going to be a major tactical approach that is going to be defensive first, obviously, since we are playing at Liverpool. Uh, but thinking from there, um, I think we're going to play better than uh, we would normally. And we're going to have we are going to have that new manager bounce. Um, but with Liverpool's talent, it is not enough uh, to get past them. And there will be uh, you know opportunities for us to go and press forward but we will not be clinical enough and we'll just be like the last couple of games and a sad, sad finish going into the world cup break in a relegation spot debating how, you know, what is our percentage of being relegated? And that is uh, where we're at. Yeah. I'd never really thought of it like that, Tim, because the, the premier, uh, sorry, the world cup squads get announced on Thursday, I believe. Um, so before this, this game, but yeah, I mean, they're going to be worried about injury, right? Because there's so many players that are going down. I mean, we saw Kieran Trippier walk off with a, with, with his hamstring yesterday. Um, so yeah, that could be a factor, actually. But I don't know. Predictions, then. Uh, it's me first on this one. I think there's going to, this is going to be a goal fest, and I think it's going to be all from them. Uh, and it's going to be 4-0 to Liverpool. I just think they're going to build on that, that win at, at Tottenham yesterday. And uh and completely shut us out 4-0 uh, I think of course we're going to lose um, but it's going to be a more dignified loss I'm going to predict the 2-0 2-0 win for Liverpool no goals still no no there's no goals in this team is there not at the moment um, and Tim yeah uh, looking ahead you got to you, who are your, who are the good players who are going to want to try and th- thrive uh, Harvey Elliott um, Fabio Carvalho I think they're going to look to start or have a big presence throughout the game. Uh, I think Darwin Nunez is a massive hothead, and he is all over the place. I think he will play, and he'll get Ward some Prowse nice. Ward can get him wound up, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. And I think, Sol- but Salisu and ABK back there could potentially shut him down, or they can get run rampant and go through. And I think it'll be a 
halfway between where we'll have three to four shots on goal, with two of them being a really decent ones, uh, coming from places that are unexpected. Um, probably going to be Perot. The pigeon. The pigeon. In the, in the pigeon is yeah. going to, you know, they're going to be. He's going to fly all the way to, to Anfield with us. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take, I'm going to split the difference between you guys. I think it's going to be 3 0. And it is going to be somewhat doom and gloom, hoping that Nathan Joes potentially is going to bring us to the promised land. And by the promised land, is 17th place. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Nathan Jones thing. I just think they need to take their time on this a little bit. Don't just go for Nathan Jones. Just think about it. We need to get this right, you know. And I just think that they're rushing into this. Yeah, Tedesco's ready to rock, and then Knutson has just finished up his season, or will finish this up his season. It's mm. coming up here with Bodo Glimt. I think that uh, you know you want to have that flair, you want to have that style. He's he's the one for it. Um, but there could be such a significant change because he's only been in the Norwegian league. You know, what is he going to be able to do? Well, he's got beaten Roma on his resume and pumping them five, one or whatever the score was. So is that good enough? Is that what we're looking for? Is that going to be, you know, it's, it is taking, it is, a sh- I won't say it's a shot in left field, but it is definitely a change. I would where... rather go down that route though, Tim, because like Kev said, Nathan Jones couldn't do it at Stoke. It wasn't enough in in the championship. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can do it in the Premier League, especially to get us up, to keep us up, rather. It's just not going to happen. I do think, though, that if you want the biggest name who's going to be able to come in that we're going to be able to draw, it would be Tedesco. And if would he be successful or not and be able to keep us up? Who knows? But well, if, all, if... All, all I'm asking is that they just talk to him and talk to everybody and make it a, a, a genuine approach to, to everyone that they, they feel can do this. And I just don't want them to, just to go for Nathan Jones and say, yeah, OK, we'll have him think about it because we've got time now yeah i think i genuinely think they're not gonna they're gonna be able to let nathan joe's talk i think that they will talk to tedesco i don't think they'll probably consider knutson and then maybe you'll look at a retread uh who's currently out there with the current uh with current english manager for you know who's been out of play i don't think sean dyche is going to consider us and i think we shouldn't be, be considering him we should i not. think he'll be safe uh doing that but i think they want somebody who can do well with less and they if they feel that the championship manager and nathan jones uh i don't yeah it's it's a crapshoot but it it's not going to be the sexy pick that tedesco or knutson would be i agree um okay then so moving on to the discord uh, tim you and alex went for 4-1 to newcastle um so that's the first one that you've got right this season and it's moved you off the bottom of the table so well done Tim. yeah well thanks i went i picked a 4-1 <laughs> loss thinking we're gonna get pumped and i'm like damn it why am i predicting this? oh come and... on when that bruno gimmerish goal went in in, in in injury time you were like wow i mean at least i've got five points well that's like you know what is solace thinking in this and i'm like oh well my team is looking really good on fantasies uh dan fox is still top of that on 24 points kevin you're on 22 uh, I'm on 18, and Tim, you're on 13, but you're off the bottom. Uh, Super 6, then. Uh, round 19 was won by Gavin Burgess with 18 points. Round 20 was Terry Lubbock on 13 points. Overall lead, still with Kevin Jewell, 210. Kevin, um, have you had a chance to look at your fantasy football? I have. I've completely forgotten what, what, <laughs> what it was like. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at my team. Oh, um, yeah, it's been shit. 43 points. No, oh, I got one more than you. Woohoo! <laughs> um, my bench absolutely killed it though. Well, that's that's handy. Thirty points on the bench. 
Oh, Jesus. Hands up, he had Cancelo. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Minus two. Thanks, but mate. I, I had Trippier, Almiron, a Captain De Bruyne, and I even started I even started Holan and got a goal out of that. So um, I'm at 59 in last week. I want to say that I had 87 points, and I'm actually not sucking ass. Um, I think we know. So I think we mentioned that last week. We did actually give you a, a bit of praise. Thank you. Appreciate it. From last week. Yeah, I, I had uh, Trippier also, um, and, and I got Sam Maximan, uh, but he was on the bench, of course, but he did come on. Um, I captain Harland, uh, and he kind of saved me, really. Ten points for him. I captained uh, one Newcastle player that didn't score, <laughs> Callum Wilson. He didn't even play the full 90 either. He played mm-hmm. five. How are the league's looking? Though? Um, I'm still stuck at the top of our, our Potters league. Um, I, I was right up to about fourth or fifth, I think, in the league, but I've dropped down now to 11. Um, Lucy Hynett is still top of our big league. Miles and Ailing Allen in second still, and Chris Ambridge in third. I've got to where am I? I, I wasn't going to do this because I, I was going to save it for you next week, Kev, but I do have one for you. Um, and obviously, Tim, feel free to, to, to have your guesses also. Um, are you ready? Do it. Let's do it. Okay, like, as usual, you get one free guess on your first clue. Um, okay, so number one for five points. This stadium is located 97 miles from St. Mary's. Got to be somewhere in the Midlands, then. Could be in the West Country, couldn't it? Mm. I am going to go with Plymouth Argyle. Home Park, Plymouth. Um, I'm going go in another direction. I'm going to say that it's uh, Peterborough. No, it's not Peterborough. Oddly enough, I was going to go Peterborough, but I changed my mind. So that's weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um, clue two for four points uh, in the southwest region of the country. Um, there aren't many teams about there, are there? I'll wait for another clue. I, I, I would. Yeah. Um, clue three for three points. Currently competing in League One and have a Southampton Loney in their midst. Ah, OK. Um, it's Exeter. Are you going to go with Exeter? Yeah. I wouldn't go so far west, mate. You're wrong. Oh, no. It's not Exeter. Mm. But they do have an Exeter player. Uh, Southampton do have a player at Exeter. You're right. It's Kegs Chalky, but it's not. This one is uh, is Dan and Lundaloo, actually. Um, fierce rivalry with Forest Green Rovers. Uh, and the fixture has been coined Al Glossico. I love that. <laughs> Cheltenham Town, then. It is Cheltenham Town, yeah. Nicknamed the Robins uh, in the county of Gloucestershire with a capacity of 7,000. I am at Cheltenham Town Stadium name. Can be the Dino Rod Stadium. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's Wadden Road, Wadden Road, right? But um, Wadden I, Road. I did have um, Peterborough selected, but I changed my mind to this stadium because of the, the, the sponsorship name. I thought it would, uh, it would make you chuckle. It's Wadden Road, but for sponsorship reasons, it's called Completely Suzuki Stadium. <laughs> Just, you know, completely, not half Suzuki. It's completely Suzuki Stadium. So there you go. Suzuki. Yeah. Oh, okay, that is it. Uh, busy, busy week we've just had. Yeah, Ralph's gone. It's um, it's sad, but it, it, it's also needed. Um, so next week, we go, in, we go in to those two games in the week against Sheffield Wednesday and Liverpool before the break. And we actually have a special guest on to discuss this and, you know, just have a general chit-chat about the season so far. Um, and what we what we can expect for the rest of the season. Uh, so until then, 
Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. Podcast Network.